Welcome to another episode of the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. I'm Stephen Kabitza. I'm here with Andrew Seipt. And also, making his second straight appearance, is my roommate Brandon. Brandon, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me back. Um, I really, you know, I wanted to come back on the show, did, you know, dishes around the house, did your laundry, just anything you need, just so I could be back for episode three. Yeah, very poorly, I may add. Andrew, are you happy to have Brandon back? Oh, I put in a good word for him with the man up, uh, the boss man. <laughs> no, so we're very happy. It was okay. That. I vouched for him. So don't don't mess it up. <laughs> Called HR. So Andrew, today, because there's literally nothing happening, and I wish we could come in and be like, man, talking about that crazy thing, talking about that Kirk Cousins guy. Those were some good times. Only today to we're re-record talking about it the a AFC week later. North. The AFC what did North, you say? Andrew. Oh, the AFC North <laughs> preview. Huh. Um, I don't know. Maybe yeah. the Browns will take the division this year. Are you are you giving me a hot take off the bat? No, I was just kidding. I wanted to see how closely you were paying attention to what I was saying. Well, right now you're the only thing I'm paying attention to. <laughs> but let's let's get back to football, Andrew. <laughs> do you see the Browns finishing any higher than fourth place this year? No, uh, I think. A lot of people are giving the Bengals uh, like a win in the off season, but I'm just looking here at their significant losses, and they lost a lot of offensive line talent. Which, as the Browns fans well know enough, you know you can't win unless you're protecting the quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see how they overcome some of those issues uh, in keeping Andy Dalton upright. So last year the Bengals were six nine and one, got that big tie. You think that they're going to be? Better than the Browns for sure. I'm just trying to throw some optimism out there. I, I had the Browns at five and eleven. Um, I Ooh. think the whoa, whoa, you've had the Browns at many other places. <laughs> I think my official prediction was five and eleven, though. On uh, quote on the record. All right. That's so fine. I mean, I'm thinking five and eleven. They added John Ross, Joe Mixon, um, Jordan Willis in round three, who was a pretty solid value pick at that point. But um, I think there are losses. Yeah, I think their losses kind of outweigh some of the additions. You know, you added one of the fastest receivers in the draft with some health concerns and an obvious off-the-field concern in Joe Mixon. But those, I don't think running back was necessarily a position of need for them. Do you? No, don't they both? Don't they still have a um, Giovanni Bernard and uh, Jeremy Hills on that team? Yeah, I think Bernard he tore his ACL last year. But mm-hmm. he might be coming up on a contract year, which might be the reason why they drafted Mixon. And if Mixon turns out to be solid, that's fine. But, I mean, a guy like Jeremy Hill, you almost look at maybe they could have drafted a, uh, an offensive lineman or, or maybe a, a position of need at that point. Yeah, especially with his character concerns, too. Yeah, I'll leave it to the Brandon. Bengals to take a player like that. I think that everyone had them pegged as the team that would be most likely to take Joe Mixon based on... Well, yeah, you were over my house and you said... Here comes Joe Mixon off the board. The Bengals are up, and then they announced him. Sarcastically, I might add, which then turned into a reality just <laughs> based on everyone's predictions. So, I don't know. The Steelers are obviously going to come in number one. You know, I think that's a given. Um, the Ravens, I think I've said in previous episodes, I think they had a good defensive offseason, but aside from Jeremy Macklin, they really didn't do much to address any of the off offensive kind of deficiencies they faced last season. You know, they still don't have a wide receiver. It feels like they've never had a solid number one wide receiver since uh, they moved to Baltimore in 1996. Uh, it, it's surprising yeah, like, that they 
Steve Smith was, you know, arguably their best one. Past yeah. his prime, though. Yeah, past his prime. Todd Heath, the above-average tight end. Marlon, even... was it Marlon Bird or Marlon? It wasn't Marlon Moore. That was the Browns Former guy. MLB. Marlon Brown. It was Marlon Brown. Like, Rebel, they've just, yeah. Kamar Aiken. They've just had these guys that have been, I, I mean, I don't want to say patchwork because <laughs> coming from a receiving core that the Browns put on the field in recent years, you know, I can't. Can't really speak too highly yeah, of that. Yeah, it's obviously but. better, but Ravens are playing for Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, they drafted four defensive guys. You know, Marlon Humphrey, Tyus Bowser, Chris Wormley, defensive tackle, uh, and then signed Brandon Carr and Tony Jefferson in the offseason. And you look at their significant losses, and f- three out of the five or two out of the five are uh, from off- from the offensive side of the ball and Ricky Wagner and Kamar Aiken. So you're picking up a receiver in Jeremy Macklin, but you're also losing one in Kamar Aiken. So what did you really gain? Andrew, I have a question for you regarding the face of the Ravens. Do you think Joe Flacco is a top 10 quarterback? You got to ask it the right way, Stephen. You always have want, to ask. That's copyrighted. That's, that's hack. Is yeah, Joe I, I was gonna Flacco do that, but like, elite? It's kind of a, you know, people know what I'm saying. Is Joe Flacco elite? Uh, it's funny, actually. I have a. Even elites what, arbitrary. One of my roommates uh, back in BG was a huge Ravens fan, and so I would always like rib him a little bit about the fact that they paid Joe Flacco $30 million a year. What did they pay him? Was it $20 million? Either way, they paid him far too much. Um, he's a good quarterback. I would definitely take him over something the Browns had, but he's I'd say he's top 15 quarterback. I mean, that... 15? I'd say 11 to 13 range. Didn't I ask 10, Andrew? I don't know. I forgot. So, <laughs> no, he's not a top 10 quarterback. In my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely at least top half of the league. I mean, we talked about this a few months ago because the Browns have never had that. Well, since coming back, I mean. And just, there's it's so rare to find one of those guys. And he's obviously getting paid. I mean, to, his contract is hampering the rest of the roster. But he's definitely solid. I, you know, the Ravens didn't really add much, but... They're consistently a 500 or over 500 team. Yeah, I almost compare them to the Indianapolis Colts. You know, they've yeah. they've had a golden ticket in Andrew Luck, you know, drafting him and him being able to be a top 10 quarterback right away. Um, but they have yet to really surround him with any sort of help. You know, they finally started to get the receiving core along with T.Y. T.Y. Hilton's just got to stay healthy. But Dante Moncrief's pretty good. And uh, um, didn't they just get a tight end? Didn't they just get a tight end, too? Dwayne Clark got traded, but I thought, I don't know. Their running game has always been terrible. You know, it's they just haven't yeah, done they, enough. They gave up that big haul for Trent Richardson. <laughs> exactly. It's, and then they added Frank Gore. Frank Gore. I mean, just the aging, no offensive line. They can't keep him healthy. It's, mm-hmm. it's a wasted opportunity, and I feel like Joe Flacco's almost to that point, but obviously they won a Super Bowl, so you, they couldn't have been that bad. But they also had, I mean, I don't buy into the fact that the Ravens in their both two Super Bowls were strictly led by defense, but... Very defensive. Average, average, yeah, good enough average. offense to yeah. lead them to the Super Bowl. And you know what? If that's what wins it, great. You know, if you can build a team that has an elite defense and offense is going to be... I mean, there's going to be some games where you're you're going to have to lean on your, off, or your defense. And if that's the case, so be it. But just make sure your offense is not incapable of, like having a bad game you know you got to be able to just like the Chiefs almost they're they're not going to come out and score 50 but you know they're good for probably 24 to 35 depending on the flow of the game but even that that is that's a lot that's a lot 
That is still pretty good. That's a lot. Like, it depends <laughs> what on what the Browns are doing. Well, it depends on how much. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's like watching them play in a different league compared to the Browns. You just said maybe 24 to 35. That sounds like a lot of points. For it's any, oh, for a I mean, several weeks span of the Browns. That's like a Cowboys Packers four o'clock game. You know, that's an, like av- that's an average, that's an average game for those teams. You know, like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, what do they average per game? It's got to be in the thirties Patriots, same way, you know, you're watching these teams go play on offense and you're like, why can't we do that? And it's all based around the quarterback. Yeah. And that kind of leads into who you think will be the first place team in the North, who I also agree, the Steelers, they're one of those teams that, I mean, their offense flows so nicely with I mean you have a top 10 quarterback arguably the best receiver and running back yeah I think Roethlisberger's top five he's so good and I hate it do I think what and he could have been a brown he could have he could have I believe you have a picture of a Mr. Roethlisberger in your room if I'm not mistaken Yes, in my childhood room, it's signed. But that was when he was at Miami of Ohio. Hey, man, back in- I'm not throwing stones. Just, uh, just, just <laughs> letting the people, giving the people the facts. <laughs> I mean, he's an Ohio guy. He always played on those Tuesday night ESPN2 games that I would watch because I'm a big Maction fan. We weren't friends yeah, before. Football. We, it took us a little bit to become friends, I think. Maction. I don't think I ever. I don't think I've ever seen a Mac game on a Tuesday, aside from the I'm opening confused. night BG. Are, are you are you saying that we weren't friends because I like Maction? No, I said uh, I was trying to figure out when you said you were watching. Like that was a while ago, and I said it took us a while to become friends. Because oh yeah, maybe maybe I just didn't share I think, my love. Of I Mac think we're football. just gonna have to edit this part out because that was a whole string of missed <laughs> missed connections. So no, see the problem is living by the <laughs> Cleveland Hopkins International Airport jets fly over, and sometimes when you're talking and a jet flies over, I can't really hear that. Do you well. eat paint chips as a kid? <laughs> <laughs> oh, why? <laughs> All right, the Steelers. Uh, I feel like Robin Williams, that Family Guy, like, I'll oh, set you up, Pittsburgh. Oh, <laughs> do you think the Browns can take one game from the Steelers this year? No. And it's crazy because they're playing week one and 17. Like, talk about two <laughs> tough times well, to face the I mean, Steelers. if the Browns were at home, I'd say maybe. But they're starting. They are week are one. Are they? Yeah, they don't play both on the road. No, I know. I thought they were. I thought it was flip-flopped. I thought they were on the road to start. No, it's week one. At home. In Cleveland. In the dog pound. I feel like we'd have a better chance beating them if we're playing week 17 at home. Uh likelihood the Steelers I think they're going to be the number two seed going into the playoffs we almost good chance they would rest their players week 17 but week one they're going to come out crazy oh yeah looking to go one I mean they did that last year they they didn't play I mean we almost beat them with Roethl- without Roethlisberger I mean that was a terrible terror Steven you were at that game I was at that game and they I mean they I rested their friend. players so it's it's there's definitely an easier opportunity for them to win in week 17 just because the Browns are more than likely going to be out of it and the Steelers are more than likely going to be clinched by that point. But at some point, the Browns are going to have to win an opener, and I hope they just shock the world one of these times in Pittsburgh. With like Even in Pittsburgh, it'd be nuts. Yeah, the opener this year, 
I mean, it's it's tough to like it's tough with the Browns because for most teams, it's like all right, you know, to get off to a good start in NFL season, you can't start like zero and two. It's like oh, you get a good one and zero start, but it's always like there's you just lack confidence for their week one games. It's just I don't know. It's not a mental thing because there's a different coach every year, every few years, but. Man, it's like getting old. I think he touched, and it's just. I was gonna say, I think he touched ahead. on it last week when you said, like, I think the worst thing would be a twenty-eight to three lead for Pittsburgh going into the half, and I think you're right because yeah. it, it, at home, especially, like, teams are supposed to have like as an underdog, you have a little bit more of an advantage because it's always easier to play at home than it is like going into a place like Pittsburgh, which is extremely tough to play as an opposing team. Um, so, so the Browns have the advantage, but it's not unlike Pittsburgh to come out and just throttle you in the first three possessions, you know, long touchdowns, take the crowd out of it right away. And at that point, most of the people in the fans are probably, or in the stands are probably saying, oh, same old Browns, you know, well, here we are again. So that's like, I, just going back to your point last week, I think it is important that that doesn't happen. Yeah, even just, just, uh, solid half even being down like 14 to 10 just something or even leading that is a po- that is a possible outcome <laughs> they could be winning they could they could also be losing they could be losing they could be tied as well it, they got three and it's just you think it's a young team it's gonna be a lot of rookies and second year guys and just falling behind early Especially against this team, it's and we don't even know who the quarterback's going to be. So, does that change your opinion at all on how you think they would play in Week One? Like, do, do you think one quarterback gives them a better advantage versus the Steelers? Nope, I don't. Think <laughs> I they think are. so. I just let me let me agree with Brandon with really a quick. I agree that whoever starts in general, I don't think it's going to make a difference of if they unless it's Kevin Hogan, shock the world. But I think having Kaiser out there might be a liability because it's his first live-action regular season game. And it might be ugly if that's his first game. But I don't think that, in general, like Kessler, Osweiler, Kaiser, individually, like they're going to be... If this guy starts, we're going to Well, win. yeah, I mean, I didn't mean it like that. I mean, so coming into the game, I mean, we're not expecting to win, but like, I think I rephrased it weird. I I was more of like, do you think one quarterback would keep you closer in a game versus like Kaiser, who you almost think is like, I'm not saying you have no confidence in him, but there's an obvious like hesitation with coming in with a lot of confidence that he's going to come out and beat Pittsburgh week one. You know, you'd be more, I would be more comfortable predicting the Browns to win with Osweiler just because he's had he's played more games in the NFL versus Deshaun Kaiser you know what Andrew I was actually gonna say I think Osweiler gives us the best chance but I didn't want to be ridiculed and now I feel like a fool I actually lean more towards Kessler really Osweiler always felt like had a lot of games that were couldn't move the ball uh was throwing well under 50 percent uh completion uh, percentage and I just see Way too many opportunities for three and outs for Osweiler, and maybe we may be a little bit more likely to, I think it's unlikely to score with Kessler, but at least move the ball and drain the clock and uh, delay the onslaught yeah, for the Pittsburgh offense. Run a competent offense. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got some guys this year, though, that might be able to keep, I'm not saying keep Antonio Brown in check, like it's not going to shut him down, but 
I mean, a guy like Jabril Peppers, a guy that's almost like a floating hybrid. You know, he could lock on to Le'Veon Bell if, if for as a wide receiver. You know, he splits out all the time or like double teaming Antonio Brown. It, like, I think there's ways that the Browns can win, but it just it's going to have to start on defense. You know, they can't. Yeah, we're going to need turnovers. We're going to yep. need luck. We need to need Pittsburgh to lose the game more so than us win the game. Yep. Forced tur- That's one thing that I really and I didn't. I don't think I touched on it last week, but forcing turnovers for this defense is going to be a huge measuring stick compared to last year. Because last year, it was bad enough that they were down fourteen nothing, but they just they they couldn't even <clears throat> excuse me build any momentum to get back in the game. You know, there were very rarely it was rare to get a turnover exactly, and that's you need that as a young team to win game. Like that's how you're going to win some games. You got to win the turnover battle. Do you think that Jabril Peppers and a healthy Joe Hayden can reform the Hayden-TJ Ward combo that was so popular a few years ago? I think I made the dumb decision to like back the TJ Ward was leaving and for, for Dante Whitner. Just rehashing, I, I kind of forgot Ooh. that that happened. Like, what a dumb decision. Like, they got, they got rid of TJ Ward, and I forget who was the, uh, DeQuell Jackson, and got older by citing Carlos Dansby and Dante Whitner. Also got older by signing Whitner. It was just bad, and now yeah, they looking added back, two I mean, guys past their prime. Yeah, solid T- players, but T.J. Ward signed for less money in Denver. Like, I mean, he's so good. It was one of those things too. I think where like guys like Joe Hayden were vouching for him too. Such a tough, like a tough sell to the fans, in my opinion. That they had to do that. Well, that's but, what happens when you change leadership every few yeah, years. Yeah. Uh, back to your question, though. I don't think Jabril, Jabril Peppers is that same thumper type safety. He, I think he's going to be fly all over the field and play more in the <clears throat> play in, in the box, similar to what TJ Ward did. But man, that dude just that dude took people's heads off. I loved watching TJ Ward play. Still do. And sometimes he gets a lot of those helmet I mean, helmet to helmet contacts. But you know, he's a fun guy to watch. I want to bring up a point. It seems like you're finally coming around on Jabril Peppers, who I've loved since before the draft. Well, he's not signed has yet, your, so. Has your Buckeye bias worn off a bit, getting hyped about Jabril Peppers? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm excited to watch him play. <laughs> I see him. I think you're you were going to represent a lot of Browns fans because if he once he signs and if he plays well... Everyone's going to love him. Oh, He's I, a fun guy. Yeah, I mean, get put anyone on this team that's going to play well, and the fans are going to love him. You know, I think you have a Braylon Edwards jersey. Like, even any small bit of success is going to drive popularity for any player. So I hope they all come out and play well. You know, Jabril Peppers, if he's if he's ever going to sign his contract, you know, that's that's one thing. But it's, it's, <clears throat> if we can get him on the field and, and start making plays on defense that win us some games, I'm all for it. Yeah, I want to talk about – that really quick, because I've been writing a bit about it and see, thinking that, you know, with a slow news cycle, Jabril Peppers being the only pick not to sign for the Browns so far, it's kind of been made into a story. Do you think it's a big deal? I mean, we're, as of recording this, it's Tuesday, June 27th. That is one month out from training camp. Still plenty of time. And it's not like he was the number one or number two pick. You know, his draft money is kind of set kind of dealing with some offset language negotiations right now. Do you think it's a big deal he hasn't signed I'm yet, sure, or are we going to be forgetting I'm sure about the Chargers thing? didn't think it was a big deal when Joey Bosa first started this holdout, but, I mean, 
he lost the first four games of his rookie season and he had 10 sacks in those last 12 games. Like he was a monster. So I think there is a cause for concern because offset language can be tricky. And I remember reading an article on it, but I don't remember off the top of my head kind of what dictates that. I think it has something to do with like however many years you play for that team. Like you, if you get cut before a certain amount of time, like the new team that claims it's to get your guaranteed money. Yeah. I think it's from which from the team that picks you up or the team that cuts you right. Or something like it's something like that. Someone's paying you paying them but it just depends yeah it's an issue over guaranteed money yeah so i mean it could be a long-term thing i hope it's not i i think they're smart enough to get it figured out but i offset language makes no sense to me if you you drafted the guy 25 you obviously think he's gonna be around for a while so i don't know i think they just need to come together before it gets into joey bosa territory yeah, and knowing how this show works, I'm sure he's about to sign like in ten minutes from now. Yep. So we should do we should do two. We should like now record the next fifteen minutes as if he's already signed, just in case, right? <laughs> but keep both in the show. This is <laughs> a fun thing. I don't know where. But yeah, with Peppers, I agree with that. You know, the Bosa thing kind of dragged on, but. I am excited. I think it's different because he was so high up in the draft. I am going to make a sign, though, but. when I like if I go to the Browns game, if he plays well, they should call him Red Hot Jabril Peppers. That'd be, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty good. I thought. You better be there week one. Yeah. Uh, I won't be, but I'll be there in spirit. How about you? Are you going to the game? Here, I'll take the sign. Are you going to the game? And I'll put your name on it. Are you going to the game? Sorry. Are you going to? You uh, still haven't answered. Huh? Out. Well, I didn't hear the question until just this now, sir. This is bad. This wow. Is... When you're doing things live and Time Warner Cable Wi-Fi is involved. Oh, we, sir, <laughs> sir, I was going to say, it's now. Spectrum. Yeah. You, Sorry. That's They're slander. a new company that hasn't no. changed anything. <laughs> they just yeah. changed their name. Their offices overlook waterfalls. I'm sorry. Oh, God. Um, I don't know if I'm going to the game, Andrew, because... I just take it a day at a time. <laughs> All right. I couldn't even say Perfect. it. Uh, I just take life, whatever's in front of me. I just go with I'll it, man. It That's all we do. I live, I laugh, and I love. <laughs> Brandon, what, do you have any insightful news uh, aside? Anything that we haven't talked about already? What you got? Um, we could do our uh, NF, uh, AFC North okay. predictions. Do something in the show to do that. I'm in. No. no All right. Yeah, we can. All right. I'll I make the creative then. decisions think, around uh, here. <laughs> uh, I got to say, uh, first place. Uh, actually, let's do this first. How many wins do you think the Browns will get in Ooh, this division? Out of eight games. Two out of six? Oh, uh, six games. Six games. I'll so. say two. Go ahead. Sorry. Two. Steven's got two. I actually agree with him. Uh, I'm a little more optimistic this year. I feel like... You're optimistic, so you're going to say two? <laughs> yeah, that's optimistic for a Browns fan. <laughs> we won one total game last year and zero on the division. Two's a... Two conference win, though. Up. But I see, you know, maybe Baltimore's offense doing terrible one week. Flacco has his games where he throws interceptions, uh, can't move the ball. Maybe we still win against them. And who knows, maybe week 17, same situation as last year where Pittsburgh sits all their starters 
And this week we rise to the occasion and finally beat Pittsburgh. I'm going to go with two, but I think it's for different reasons. I just think they're going to win one one game at home against both Baltimore and Cincinnati. Uh, Like I said, when you're the home team, it's a little bit different. I don't remember the schedule off the top of my head, but are both – they, I know they play Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati all in the first five weeks. Which two are are like is Cincinnati at home or is Baltimore yeah. at home? I hope not because Here, I don't think know. they'll win back to back home games against those teams. I think if they have a home game against Cincinnati or Baltimore like later in the season when they've started to like hit their stride maybe or just got get some games under their belt, I think that's when you start to see um, that'll be a dictator for what how this team is really doing is whether or not they can win some games in the division at home. I'll break it down for you. Week one versus Pittsburgh. Week two at Baltimore. Week four versus Cincinnati. Okay. Then we got week 12 at Cincinnati. Week 15 versus Baltimore. Week 17. Yeah. I think it'll, I think it'll be that week 15 Baltimore at home. And then the, uh, um, Third week four against week Cincinnati, four. yeah. It's just I, that Baltimore game is going to be tough, though. You got to think they'll be fighting for a playoff spot, and they're not going to take the Browns lightly. So it'll be a good test. And the Browns, the Browns are playing Green Bay the week before. So if they make it out of that game, yeah, it's true. Hopefully they have some con- at least something to build off of that. Don't, don't get just destroyed in three quarters by Aaron Rodgers, but maybe they'll beat the Packers. And clinch a playoff. Who's their running back now? They got rid of Eddie Lacy. Are they going to go with Ty Montgomery? Did they get AP? Like no, the Saints, got, the Saints got AP. They signed somebody. Uh, dang, it's going to bother me now. Let's see. Actually, I'm going to look it up here in this article. I gotta. Well, like Brandon said, they have Montgomery. Yeah, but he was like more of a, like a jackknife versus... He's their number one back right now. Yeah, he's pretty good too. They don't I, run a traditional. He's, he's more of and they like have that. Christine Michael on their roster. Yeah. A running a versatile wide receiver for a running back, smart for Green Bay. Yeah, if they go to the shotgun a lot. Yeah, you have him back there. That's what I like the that style of offense. The Patriots do it too. Excuse me, where they don't necessarily have like obviously they have Legarrette Blunt who's just pounding away, but eighty five percent of the time they've got James White. Deion Lewis in the backfield that a lot of those quick passes to the running backs are they're essentially run plays but you've got the defense in a passing a passing defense so you're getting these guys out in space and I think I'm hoping that's what Hugh Jackson is going to be able to do um, especially with whoever's quarterback you know those quick passes put them out in space and let them do the work versus trying to force the quarterback to make decisions that could end up causing turnovers no I agree it's is there is there a better, or better, better offense to emulate than the Packers or the Patriots for the Browns? Um, Wouldn't that be nice if they came out and they were running? Well, they had <laughs> sense offense. That would be nice. I guess anyone Obviously, that's offense. everyone's... Yeah, I was going to say, everyone's goal is to be at that point where you're the Packers or the Patriots, but I don't know. I kind of think the like that Seahawks model, I like where they're kind of running the ball... P- like pound it away, but then use a lot of play action and stretch the field. I just personally like that. I'm not. We need the right quarterback. Hugh Jackson. To do that. Yeah, and I think Hugh Jackson runs a vertical enough offense where that 
could work, but I, I, I'm just hoping that they really put an emphasis on the running game this year and they succeed because it opens up so many other things if you can run the ball well. Oh, I know. That, that has, to, has to change this year. I was looking up some of Crowell's stats from last year. It's like <laughs> nine carries, six yards. It's like, what happened? Why yeah. did you guys go away from it? He had, he had, I believe it was 952 yards, and if they just hand him the ball, he never had 20 carries in a game last year. You think with a better defense, they may have more patience with the run game. Uh, Maybe they won't be as far behind, so they could stick with Crowell longer, knowing that the defense can keep them in the game. Yeah, and just, yeah, I guess, I mean, we've talked about it. It's tough to commit to the run when Dak Prescott drives down the field four times without any resistance. But There is an offense we can emulate. Um, Run the ball well like they did with Elliott, and then simple, quick, um, play action passes with uh, what Dak did to my favorite receiver Cole that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. if you have and that's why I was such a big proponent of drafting a guy like Leonard Fournette you know if you've got and the Browns obviously made the offensive line decisions that they did creating like basically a nice situation for any running back to come into but if you can get that elite guy that's better than anyone else you know like Le'Veon Bell Ezekiel Elliott the guys that are gonna that the defense has to game plan for like I don't know if Crowell has reached that point yet and we got the offensive so, line to do, or maybe not quite as good as what Dallas had last year but a great offensive line yeah but you could think that for a little while their NFL teams were underrating running backs maybe for so long they were overrated and they found a couple sleepers later in the draft but when you come across a guy especially like Elliott that's elite that you know he clearly deserved to go fourth overall and when he was initially drafted a lot of teams were mo- mocking Dallas or questioning why would they reach so early for a running back but he was clearly the best rookie in the draft last year yeah and all those guys all those teams that were mocking can't figure out a way to stop it mm-hmm. <laughs> so i mean that's the thing if you can just get draft players that the the other team has to game plan for. That's why I wanted Terrell, Terrell Pryor back. Like it was one of the few guys where you had to, you had to game plan for because while there was, he was pretty much the only guy. He was a playmaker. And exactly, so he made long, plays. And that's. Yep. So, I don't know. I think it's. I think we're ready to wrap it up now. Yeah, Andrew. Funny really you nuts. should say that because I was actually thinking of a nice closing segment. Since this oh. is our thirteenth episode. And 13 is a number associated with spooky things. I was thinking, I'll start with you, Andrew. What is the, the one Browns memory, obviously post-1999, because that's all we talk about, that keeps you up at night? One memory that you just can't get uh, out of your head that was so bad, Browns-related. And let's, Dwayne, let's try to Dwayne, keep it to on Dwayne the Rudd, field. Dwayne Rudd taking his helmet off. <laughs> as the Kansas City Chiefs missed the field goal before the whistle blew. So we got a 15-yard penalty, putting the Chiefs in field goal range for the Browns to lose a home opener. That was – I'll never forget that And play on the road one. in the playoffs. Yeah. So. All right, Brandon, what's your spooky moment? I remember uh, Johnny Manziel's, like, first preseason football game. <laughs> I was, like, watching some of the game with my girlfriend at the time, and she never watched uh, – NFL game in her entire life and for five minutes of watching the game she's like she said about Manziel he looks too small to play quarterback in the NFL and she was (laughs) completely right 
Well, he also had an alcohol problem. Yeah, too. But um, <laughs> you go, and he's addicted to cocaine and alcohol. I'm partying, but that was kind of haunting. Haunting, and uh, yeah, his first game, you're like, someone could pick that. He up. cannot. Remember when he flicked off the Redskins that was in that awesome. preseason game? <laughs> uh, no one can ever take away those positive memories for me. Let me think. Of, my spooky moment. Here's an honorable mention we were talking about earlier when Brandon Whedon threw an underhand pass to the Detroit Lions when the Browns were trying to drive, come back, and win the game. Yep. <laughs> under yep. five minutes, down a touchdown, a driving. Or when he got caught down. under the flag. Remember <laughs> that? It. That's an honorable mention. I think for me, a, a one that I really remember is... I would, Brandon, you were actually at the game with me. They were oh, playing. Yeah. I believe it was they were playing the Rams. St. Louis, yeah. Or, no, and Angeles. they snapped the ball... Alex Mack stuck his foot out because he was playing on the, I believe it was him, stuck his foot out playing on the field goal blocking unit. And they botched a 20-yard field goal to win the game with, Pat Shermer was the head coach. That's when they handed it off to uh, the tight end. Alex Smith. Alex Smith, who they lined up as a fullback who never played (laughs) in the backfield before. And it was like, all right, let's just kick a field goal and get this over with. And they botched the snap. And the, the, the... the stadium wasn't even upset. It was just... They shrugged uh, their shoulders. They had the uh, same expression geez. Pat Shermer did after every single game. Like, he had a I, lobotomy. I remember going to a... I remember being at a Browns game where we played Carolina, like, before Cam Newton. And... With Jimmy Clausen. They missed a field... Like, Carolina... What's that? It was Jimmy Clausen. I was there, too. Yeah. They, they like, Carolina drove down the... Mike, Mike Tolbert was, like, catching screen passes going... You know, it was crazy. They were drove down the field in, like, two seconds on the Browns. Line up for a game-winning field goal. They missed, so the Browns won, and people were, like, booing the Browns because of, like, the fact that they should have won no problem and, like, <laughs> so I just, Andrew, lost. I just pulled that up. That was in... Let me find the week it was. So it was week... 12 in 2010 the browns won 24 to 23 and the panthers dropped to one in 10 <laughs> oh my god i remember that game yeah and yeah because they had the final drive let's see so the i'm looking at it here it was so carolina got the ball on their own five yard line with 59 seconds left that's what it was. I knew there was a reason why. <laughs> and they drove all the way to the Browns 24 and missed a field goal. Hit the hit the upright. How many uh how many timeouts did they have? Does it say? Let me see. They used They had to have had 3. There's no way you could get 59 seconds or that far. No, it was here. I'll read the drive chart. It's not long. Oh to wrap God. up the show here, we'll recap this game from 2010. <laughs> it was first and 10 at Carolina 5. Clawson threw an 11-yard pass. Then he threw an incomplete pass. Another incomplete pass. Third and 10, 32-yard completion. Tackle made by Ray Ventrone. And then... Oh, boy. Special teams ace Ray Ventrone. He spiked the ball. They're at their own 48. Browns call a timeout. And then Clawson drops back and throws a 28-yard pass to Brandon LaFell. Challenged, (laughs) upheld, missed field goal. Oh my! Very goodness. spooky indeed. I'm glad you brought that up because that, that kick was at my direction in my seats, and it was just like, yay! Browns improved. To <laughs> like, four yeah, you're happy seven. for the win, but like, what the hell? I know, I'm, Andrew. I'm glad you brought that up. It's a it's a great way to end the show. Panthers fans are excited they got Cam Newton after that year. Yeah. So that's our 13th yep. episode. 
Brandon, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me back. Of course, Andrew, thank you as always. As always, baby. And to the listeners, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.